This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, eight minutes left in the second period. Lightning leading the Maple Leafs 2-1. Toronto up 3-1 in that series. Actually, no, uh, less than seven minutes left. And after the first period, Devils up 1-0 on the Rangers. That series is tied 2-2. And as I was telling you earlier, the road team has won every game. So the Devils trying to change that tonight. Jets and Golden Knights coming up after 8 o'clock tonight. Golden Knights at home up 3-1 in that series. And, of course, Oilers-Kings on Saturday. The time of the game still to be determined. All right. I, I always appreciate talking to our next guest. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's uh, an excellent broadcaster, played in the NHL. He's always incredibly generous with his time. He is a color analyst on the LA Kings Audio Network, but I always try to find interesting ways to introduce people. So, Daryl Evans, tonight I introduce you as the leading scorer on the 1980-81 Brantford Alexanders. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That brings back great memories. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I had to dig. Uh, <laughs> Well, it, it is on Hockey DB. Uh, you, some, some good names on that. You had 112 points at 58 games. Uh, tell me about life uh, with the Bradford Alexanders uh, back in 8081. <laughs> well, you know, that was a pretty special year. Uh, I got traded uh, my last year of junior from the Niagara Falls Flyers, and, you know, I went to a team that had some great players. Uh, I played on a line with Mike Bullard and Mark Hunter. Uh, who went on to have great NHL careers, and uh, that was a lot of fun. We had all kinds of offense on the team. Unfortunately, defensively, uh, we weren't too sound, but uh, it was a lot of fun, made some great friendships, and guys that I still stay in touch with today. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and like you said, um, some uh, I'm, I'm looking through the playoffs that year. There were some higher-scoring games around the league. I don't think it was just you guys <laughs> that struggled <laughs> keeping the puck out of the net. <laughs> Either that or low-scoring basketball games. That's, that's the way we looked at them. <laughs> that's, that's what they were. Okay, and, and I believe I'm looking at the playoff format. It, it appears each series was a race to eight points because there were ties without overtime, so kind of a unique format. And and I I checked. So this is here's a connection between you and Connor McDavid. The Bradford Alexanders eventually became the Erie Otters after a couple other moves. Did you know that? I did not know that. I did not know that. <laughs> so Bradford left for Hamilton in 84. They were the Hamilton Steelhawks. Okay. Then from yep. 88 to 96, they were the Niagara Falls Thunder. And since 96, they've been the Erie Otters. So there's there's my random yeah. fact for you, Daryl. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a cool little story. Were you, uh, were you already drafted when you were with Bradford, or was that the year you got drafted? No, I was already drafted. I was drafted the previous year with uh, Niagara Falls. So, um, you know, we went to, uh, you know, to training camp and all that. And, and then uh, I've ended up, I played for my first two years and then the first week or a couple of weeks of the uh, third year with uh, Niagara Falls before getting traded to Brantford. Okay. And then were you one of those guys that when the Ontario Hockey League season ended, did you get any pro games? Like, did they send you to their minor league team right at the end of the year? Yeah, I got called up. LA's farm team, uh, their primary farm team. That was, I mean, there used to be an American League and a Central League back then, and, and then obviously the International League. LA's primary farm team started off the beginning of the season uh, in the Central League in Houston. Uh, they, through the course of the season, they folded, and they sent a bunch of players down to Saginaw, uh, Michigan, in the in the International League. So that's where I got recalled to at the end of the year. 
and I played the last three games of the regular season. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get into three games as a pro that year, and I think that you know really helped things out. Uh, I had some success. I had three goals and three assists, and I was fortunate enough to stick around with the team throughout the playoffs. I didn't get a chance to play. Uh, the ruling at that time was that anybody that was up, uh, the only way you could use guys like myself that were got, got called up after their junior careers was if there was four injuries. Um, so needless to say, uh, that didn't happen in the playoffs. You know, everybody's back and playing. And uh, I was able to skate with that team throughout the playoffs. They went on to win the uh, the championship. And it was a great experience. Uh, I, I grew a great playoff beard. And uh, <laughs> I, I was in, I was introduced to uh, you know to pro hockey in, in a great way you know being on a championship team that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, and and I love that you remember your stats <laughs> from 42 years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you what my plus minus was, but I can tell you how many goals it was. I don't. They didn't have plus minus then. Don't worry about it. Everybody exactly. was exactly. It was always plus. It was always plus. It was always yeah, plus. It was always plus. <laughs> well, thanks for going down memory lane. That's incredible. Daryl Evans joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, so uh, tell me how the. Uh, I, I guess for you, obviously, you guys would have traveled home. Uh, I think yesterday. So how did the Kings use the the break? in today's practice day well we actually we we went home tuesday night after the game oh you went right after the uh, game i'm sorry yeah, okay yeah they went right after yep they went right after the game and yesterday was used as a day off um you know we had media availability with uh, coach Todd mcclellan in the morning but yesterday was a, a complete day away from the rink for the players um and you know i, I guess you know for, for broadcasters when i was at the rink uh, i usually have you know different types of duties and things to do there and I always like to be around the rink, uh, you know, especially at this time of year. Um, so today was a, a full practice. Uh, everybody was back on the ice today, and they had a lot of energy. Uh, and they're excited to, you know, to get ready for game six. Uh, you know, there's still a couple of days yet away, and we don't know what the time's going to be on Saturday. But, um, you know, I think uh, they, uh, you know, the Kings in particular welcome the, you know, the rest, uh, a chance to address a couple of things that, you know, they want to clean up in the games that they've seen, uh, you know, last few games and, you know, get ready for the next ch next chess match uh, on Saturday night, which should be a great game. Is, is there any chance they're getting Lazat back? Is there any indication about that? Uh, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he was uh, he skated today in practice in a, in a regular jersey. wasn't in one of the you know injury uh, red jerseys. So uh, every indication would be that you know he should be available. Uh, you know Arthur Kaliev was on the ice as well, and you know we'll see uh, which direction that they go. Uh, you know with their lineup on Saturday, uh, but uh, I believe Lazat will be available, and it'll be a, a coach's decision whether or not they they use him, which uh, I think they will. The first four games in the series were all incredibly, incredibly close. Three of them went to overtime. The other one was tied or a one-goal game for, for a lot of the night. Uh, you know, that was the game Clem Costin got the game winner early in the third. And then this past game, game five, was the only one in which one of the teams got the lead and kind of you know stretched it out and, and took it home. In your mind, what changed in game five from the other four games in the series? Well, I think in Game Five, uh, and you know, you just alluded to how tight the other games were played. Um, you know, and these two teams are so familiar with each other; they played so much hockey against each other over the last, you know, two seasons. Uh, you know, four regular season games in each year, seven games in a playoff, and already, you know, five this year in the postseason. So, um, I think, you know, in that game, I think the momentum that the Oilers built in capturing Game Four in LA 
carried on into game five in their favor. Um, and, uh, you know, at the, the first period, you know, Edmonton, as, as you would expect, they came out, they're very good at on home ice. Uh, they got the early power play, and we all know the, how lethal their power play has been in, in the postseason in particular, uh, let alone, you know, what they did all year during the regular season. Um, and that put the Kings on their heels right off the bat. I felt, though, when, you know, when they escaped the first period only being down by one goal that, you know, that was a time, you know, you hope, uh, you know, as a player, you go in the locker room, you kind of kind of regroup and say, hey, guys, you know, we're in a pretty fortunate situation here, you know, only down a goal and probably don't deserve to have uh, to be this close. So, uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, the Oilers kept their foot on the gas and uh, they just seemed to be a little bit more energized and, uh, and they took charge of the game. Uh, you know, their their power play, which has been a you know a difference uh, in the games. Uh, you know, was a difference again in game in game five. So, uh, a couple of things for the Kings to address. But uh, you know, that's one of the things that you know with the luxury of the playoffs. You, you know, you park that one and you get ready for the next one. And in this case here, with a couple of extra days to to prepare, uh, both physically, mentally, uh, strategically, you can also you know tweak a couple of things that you want to do. Uh, you know, on the ice. Well, yeah. I mean, both teams' power plays are pretty good. The the only bad thing for the, I mean, the Kings have been what around thirty percent most of the series. The only problem is the Oilers have been over fifty. So, you know, I don't want to don't want to yeah, take anything yeah. away from the Kings' power play. What uh, and and they were fourth during the regular season with the man advantage too. What has sort of been the driving force or a couple of the keys to the success for the Kings' man advantage? Well, I think going back to the beginning of the season, you look at you know last year the offseason acquisition of Kevin Piala. Uh, he brought a huge element to the Kings' power play, and what it's done, it's allowed the Kings to to, be, to develop two power play units. Uh, you know, unlike the Oilers, who you know are heavy on their on their top unit, and you know rightfully so. I mean, you look at the success rate; the only team in the history of the National Hockey League with four guys on one team to have at least 15 power play goals. So uh, that's a, you know, that's an incredible statistic. But the Kings have had the luxury of two units and getting production from two units. You know, you look at during the regular season, Kempe with 11 power play goals, Arvidsson with 10, uh, Fiala 7, Kopitar 6 or 7, uh, Ayafalo 7. So it was well distributed throughout the Kings' power play. Uh, and I think that's the key to their power play. Um, you know, having the two units, giving the opposition a couple of different looks to look at and uh, and uh, consistency. Uh, you know, they, they've got a couple of guys back on the blue line and guys like Drew Doughty and Sean Dersey that are quarterbacking from that position back there. They've done a good job at, you know, getting the puck up the ice. Adrian Kempe's had an outstanding year, but uh, that was been uh, definitely a bright spot, you know, through the Kings uh, season, you know, going right back to day one. But Kevin Fiala has definitely had his uh, had his uh, you know footprint on that on how how much you know the skill set that he brings, uh, the way the opposition have to look upon the Kings. Uh, you know he brings an element that the Kings didn't have, puck possession and great vision on the ice that has complemented the Kings' power play for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they've they, they've been good. I, I think they only had one power play in the in the yeah just that one early in the third period uh, that the Oilers killed off, and Edmonton obviously got a couple of more power play goals. The 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 comeback in Game Four, and I, I know I'm sure to the most of the players it's it's ancient history, and of course when we talked about it, we couldn't help reference the game you played in the the five nothing comeback from from LA. Uh, like the Oilers did get power play goals in that game too. When it was three nothing LA after the first period, like I didn't think it was over. I didn't necessarily think the Oilers were going to win, but I still thought it would be a tense third period. What was your sense in the building that night? Well, when the Kings were up three nothing, 
let's face it, the Oilers could have been up 3 nothing at that point. They had already hit two goalposts. Leon Dreisaitl had a great opportunity that was turned aside by Corpusalo. So I think the score was not really you know, a reflection is the, the way the period went. Okay, in the second half of the period, the Kings took over the period. But that's the way the series has gone, not only in the playoffs this year, but in the regular season, even going back to last year in the postseason. It's been flows. Each team's had their time where, you know, they look like they're unstoppable, and then it goes the other way, and the other team takes you know takes charge of doing that. So uh, again, that's all part of the chess match. But uh, you know, when that game uh, became a th- you know three three game, and then the Kings got the you know the fortunate goal at the beginning of the third period to take a lead, you know that's where the game's got to get shut down. And you know, just prior to the Oilers tying it up. You know, Victor Arvidsson had a you know a breakaway, and that gets denied by Jack Campbell. So the save by Jack Campbell there, uh, you know, has definitely been a big moment in this series, uh, being that you know the Kings could have been up three games to one, and now they're down three games to two. So we'll see how that plays out as the rest of the series is. But uh, it you know it was a, it was an evenly played game, even though you know both teams went on spurts of scoring three straight goals. I think uh, you know the back and forth. Uh, you know, type of play. It was uh, evident at the end of the night, and you know, the Oilers found a way to get the to get, get the victory that one and even up the series. Yeah, well, it's it's been a highly entertaining series to watch, and I think just these two teams, the division rivalry, having played last year, the relationship between the coaches, it's there, there's so much uh, so much drama around it that it is pretty fun to watch and pretty fun for guys like us to to take in and talk about. Daryl, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I always love having you on the show, and you've been incredibly uh, kind with me over the years so thank you so much for that enjoy game six on saturday whenever it is <laughs> <laughs> no, i appreciate it i always enjoy getting on the air with you and uh, keep up the great work over there and hopefully we'll be able to make our way back to edmonton and uh, talk to you for game seven all right thank you daryl that is daryl evans checking in from the uh, la kings audio network with respect to all of uh, you listeners tonight who i assume most of you cheer for the Oilers. i, I couldn't quite uh wish daryl a trip back to edmonton because i know <laughs> i know if you're an Oilers fan you're hoping it uh, ends on saturday but daryl's a, a great guest knows his stuff been covering the kings for a long time and of course a former player with the team as well now, remember this. Uh, before every home game, our 630 Chad Street teamers will be giving away a pair of tickets to some lucky fans in the fan park for your chance to win the ultimate Oilers upgrade. Be sure to visit fan park before each home game and say hi to our Chad Street team that is uh, in the fan park before home game so that'll either be game seven or game one in round two or game three in round two depending on uh, depending on how things shake down seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three if you want to get in touch we're going to be going to seattle a little bit later on to talk to everett fitzhugh about the kraken who have a chance to eliminate the avalanche in their next game and craig mctavish is going to join us tonight as well mcdavid nugent dry subtle one timer bouchard score insane run at home and away the Oilers head back to the City of Angels for a game six nail biter pulsating playoff hockey we're going off the rails in search for the series win McDavid and the boys take on Kopitar and crew on the Sunshine Coast your NHL playoffs continue Saturday keep it dialed to your exclusive home for Oilers playoff action Oilers radio 630 Chad
Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, of course, the uh, annual Alzheimer's tournament is uh, this weekend, so we're having uh, Mac T on the show between 7.30 and 8, the uh, Alzheimer's face-off pro-am tournament a lot of former nhlers are going to be taking part in that uh, including shane corson who's going to be on the show tomorrow uh, rob brown's playing in this as well brian trotche uh it's back what is it uh friday through sunday so we'll have shane corson on the show tomorrow night kellen kennedy down the hallway in the control room kellen how are you today doing great how about you Reed? i'm doing very well are you uh you will not be working game six i guess no are you going to go to the watch party uh i'm going to attend to get into either Fan Park or the Plaza with a bunch of friends, so we'll see what happens. Oh, good for you. End, so. But we will be downtown somewhere watching the game. Good. For sure. All right. <laughs> Oilers and Kings on Saturday. Time to be determined. There's been some already some memorable goals for the Oilers in this postseason series. Well, Zach Hyman might have the two most memorable. He got the overtime goal in Game 4 to cap the Oilers' dramatic comeback. And he scored again in Game 5. The puck went in off his face. It was fired by Evan Bouchard. Not sure until he uh, definitely told me. I saw the replay, and I kind of held my breath for a second there. You know, I felt the rate when it went off my stick. Um, and I saw it go in. I didn't know who it hit, where it hit. And luckily, it didn't catch him uh, in too bad of a spot. Yeah, just his head. I mean, not too bad of a spot. <laughs> but, no, it's it's good Hyman's okay. I mean, that, that's obviously scary because you saw he didn't celebrate when the puck went in. He was kind of too worried about the puck going in off his face. But uh, Hyman is fine after that play. And uh, Bouchard can blast it. We know that. And he has scored up high on goaltenders. That one may be a little bit too high, but still wound up going in. And the Oilers have scored some goals up high on Jonas Corposalo who was pulled partway through Game 5. No doubt he's going to be the starter on Saturday. Jay Woodcroft was asked today about scoring up high on Corpus Allo. Um, I think you're always trying to learn lessons, and uh, the more uh, that you continually play a certain team, the more patterns emerge. Yeah, he's not saying much there, but that is he. <laughs> he's not giving away anything that the Oilers might have scouted out or any perceived weakness or uh, or holes they're finding on Corpusalo. Yes, the, the Oilers have had more success shooting up high on Corpusalo than that. He's really good, really quick with his legs. I mean, he's flashed those pads out several times and kicked pucks away. Um, so he's been great. I, I mean, look, I think Corpusalo has been the best king in this series. Kempe's been quite good as well i think dry has been the best uh the best oiler and uh the oilers have done enough with some contributions from some other players as well to have that 3-2 series lead okay so leafs and lightning 2-1 for the lightning after two a uh, bit of a frazzle at the end of the second period, Patrick Maroon getting a little bit of hot water, so Leafs are going to start the third period on the power play. Devils up 2-0 on the Rangers as the home team finally trying to win a game in that series. About eight minutes left in the second period. Palat and Halla, the goal scorers for New Jersey in that one. Can Seattle pull off the unexpected upset? Their play-by-play -play voice, Everett Fitzhugh, next.